Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Warning. This is a true crime podcast and is not suitable for all audiences. Please use discretion. I have a habit recently of saying this episode is an unbelievable one or something to that effect and this one truly is. I've never heard of anything like this before in my life and a huge part of my life is reading, researching and learning about different criminal cases from around the world. I want you to imagine that you live in a small town, a small town where everyone knows everyone. And if a crime happened in that town, it would be so out of the norm, so extreme, that the whole town would be shaken to the core. And imagine this crime would happen over and over and over and over again, risking the lives of innocent people living in the town, innocent people like you. I'm Naomi Channel, and this is Real I read about this case in an American newspaper a few years ago. After reading the first few lines of the article, I thought I was reading a synopsis of a new film. But staying true to my brand, this is a real story. It's a case that I'm quite confident in saying is a one-off and that nothing else like this has happened in the world for the reason that it happened. If it has, let me know. For today's case, we need to travel over to Accomack County in Virginia, America. Accomack County is located in the eastern edge of Virginia. It's small. In 2020, the population was just under 34,000. It's also one of the poorest parts of Virginia. On November 12th, 2012, an empty house in Accomack County is on fire. The weather that day was cool and dry, and the home had been vacant for years, so there was no running power supply, no gas supply, so all the evidence pointed towards the fire being an arson attack. A neighbour of the empty house called 911, 
told them there was a fire, and local fire crews arrived to put it out. Because Accomack County was so small, many of the firemen that arrived were volunteers. Locals who were trained to fight fires in the rare instance that a blaze might occur in their small town came. But that night, this would be one of three fires that occurred in the town. And it was soon obvious that all three fires had been deliberately started by an arsonist. The locals in the town were baffled and horrified. Who had done this to their small community and why? Initial theories pointed towards the fire being the work of someone travelling through the town, an arsonist who got a kick out of danger, a crazy pyromaniac maybe. This hadn't happened before. There was no record of serial arson attacks in Accomack County, and it's a remote area. So locals were hopeful that that was that. But then over the next few days, the arsonist would strike again, and again, and again. And in just three weeks, the arsonist would have started 27 different fires in Accomack County. Our big story at five, though, the number of fires and fears about what could happen next increasing once again on the eastern shore. We are up to just to 27 fires in just three weeks. Nearly all were abandoned structures and no one's been hurt. Still, someone is playing with fire and scaring everyone in the area. The two latest happened just last night, both in Accomack County. Many residents there, as you can understand, are on edge as investigators continue to search for suspects before someone gets hurt. Then on your side's Ava Hurdles on the eastern shore, and Ava, needless to say, an arrest would calm many fears. Now that's right, Tom. Concern does continue to grow with each and every deliberately set fire. No one has been at this old grist mill off Guilford Road for years, neighbors say. Not until last night when someone apparently tried to set it on fire around 7.30 p.m. Thomas Lewis says the suspect got away. The lady come out of the house and saw the man going to the building with the torch. So she called the police and they got here and the fire department before it got started. So they went down the road to Bobtown and set another one. About two hours later, this vacant house was torched. You can see where fire ate away at the home and the damage left behind. Bill Mastel lives in the area. It's hard to believe that it, the, the, the police haven't caught the person yet, but this is a very rural and unpopulated area. And at night, you don't see anybody and it's pitch black here. We don't have any street lights. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's kind of tragic. As state police continue to look into these fires, Mastel advises everyone to keep a watchful eye. Well, we're all obviously concerned and hoping that, uh, that they'll catch the person soon. Uh, and we're keeping our eyes open. You know, if you see somebody hanging around uh, a vacant property, you, you, you want to make a phone call and call the police. Locals were baffled, and understandably, they were scared too. Some of them took to social media, some were speculating, and some were actively trying to figure out who was causing so much damage to their community. Facebook groups dedicated to finding the arsonist popped up. Some of them are still active today. One person on Facebook wrote, This is getting beyond ridiculous. Our first responders are being spread way too thin. This idiot needs to be caught, or maybe he'll do us a favour and jump off a bridge. 
Please keep our local law enforcement and the fire and EMS personnel in your prayers as they battle these fires. The Eastern Shore is a very close-knit community and all are affected by this mess. Another person wrote, People need to understand that even though the shore isn't large, it's old. We have many, many old abandoned structures. There's no way we can watch all of them. We just don't have the manpower for it. I, for one, am proud of our police and fire departments, most of which are volunteers. They're doing all they can when they can. The person or persons who are doing this will be caught. Remember to be that extra pair of eyes that they need. Anything out of the way, call and report. It may be nothing, or it may be what they need to stop doing this. But incredibly, the fires kept coming, and they weren't slowing down. In fact, they were getting more frequent. Thankfully, no one had been inside any of the empty homes that had been set alight, which again prompted the theory that it was someone who knew the town, someone who knew the houses were empty. That's not to say these fires weren't creating victims. The volunteers fighting the fires were exhausted. They were being called out night after night, doing their day jobs and going home to their families. They were missing out on time with their families too, and people were losing buildings and real estate that belonged to them. The mental health of the community must have been affected. The anxiety of not knowing who or why someone was attacking their town must have been so hard to comprehend. An award was put up for $5,000 to give up any information that might lead to an arrest and conviction. The fires were as frequent as every couple of days, and the arsonist didn't even take a break at Christmas. A barn was set on fire on Christmas Eve, and it also damaged some nearby cars. Again, thankfully no one was hurt. But these volunteers were now having to put out a fire when they should have been at home celebrating with their families. People were also taking it in turns to watch the abandoned buildings in their area. Vigilantes had brought tents and dressed in camouflage as they staked out potential areas that arsonists might target. People were camping out and manning the main entrances into Accomack County. But this wasn't putting the fire starter off. In fact, the arsonist was getting braver. The arsonist has struck the eastern shore yet again, and this time the target was a big one. Now this is the old Whispering Pines Motel in Tasley. Nobody was hurt, but many residents are concerned because it appears this arsonist is getting braver. This former motel, the Whispering Pines, has clearly been targeted. The motel had been beautiful in its heyday, and it had a really popular restaurant attached to it too. Some of the building had been built in the 1930s, and it was a popular stop-off point for people travelling from New York down to Florida. This was now arson number 66. One thing the police were hoping for was CCTV, and eventually they got something. A shadowy figure leaving the site of one of the fires that had been purposefully started. The figure gave very little away, but there was one thing the police were certain of. That figure was a woman.
The CCTV hadn't caught her lighting the fire and the police had discussed that there was potentially two people involved. The fact they hadn't been caught, it was almost certain that one was driving a getaway car. They had considered it possibly being a pair of male friends, maybe relatives, but they had never considered that it might be a woman. I've trawled through some of the Facebook groups that are still live to this day, and when the fires were happening, some of the posts would say things like, I hope he is caught. But this CCTV didn't confirm anything, and it was impossible to get anything more from it. The arsons had started in November 2012, and it was now March 2013. Imagine being a resident of this community whilst all this was going on. Going to the shops, dropping your children off to school, going into the doctor's waiting room, knowing there was a possibility that you were sat next to the arsonist. They were living a real-life whodunit. Well, at the time, it was a who's doing it, because it was still going on, and the police were no closer to figuring out who the culprit or culprits were. The number of buildings that had deliberately been set on fire in Accomack County had now surpassed 80. The police and fire department were working together. A crime profiler was working on the case, as was a team of arson investigators. They looked at former criminals living in the area, especially those who had charges involving arson, but there was no clear suspect. They were also trying to figure out a motive. There didn't seem to be a religious or political motive. There were no tags or clues left behind. A lot of the buildings hadn't burnt down completely, they'd just suffered damage, so the evidence was pointing them towards someone who was particularly not clued up when it comes to setting fires that would wipe a building out. There was no financial benefit for anyone involved either. It was baffling. But soon, the motive would be revealed, and it would be one that no one saw coming. On the 1st of April, another fire was reported in Accomack County. It was 11.40pm and it was discovered before it could do much damage. Police had set up traffic checkpoints around the area and a minivan was caught driving away from the scene just after midnight. In the van was 40-year-old Tonya Bundick and her fiancé, Charles Smith, known as Charlie. They were both arrested. News travelled around the town quickly and everyone was shocked. Tonya was a mother of two who ran a boutique shop and Charlie had a car body shop. But his talents didn't stop at being able to rebuild cars. Oh no. He was also one of the town's former volunteer firefighters. An arson mystery along Virginia's eastern shore may be solved. Authorities say two suspects are now under arrest and one of the accused is a firefighter himself. As Chip Reed reports, police still don't know the reason for the fires. We are confident that Bundick and Smith are responsible for the majority of the fires set since November 12th of last year. And we now have a very complex prosecution ahead of us due to the sheer number of arsons these two people are responsible for setting. 
With Tonya and Charlie in police custody, the fires stopped. But everyone wanted to know why. What could they have possibly gained from inciting so much fear, disruption and damage to the town? The community were in shock. People were reacting to the news on social media. No one had suspected them. And they were the sort of people that were known around the town. The police started questioning the couple. Tonya blamed it all on Charlie. And to start with, Charlie took all of the blame. But the police had a feeling that he wasn't being truthful. And that Tonya was a much bigger part of this than he was letting on. Eventually, Charlie cracked and gave the police the real story. Are you ready for this? The fires were started because Charlie couldn't perform in bed. Yes, as in he couldn't rise to the occasion. Okay, so let me tell you more about Tonya and Charlie. They got together one night in a local bar. Charlie couldn't believe his luck. Tonya was always made up. She took great pride in her appearance and Charlie fell in love with Tonya pretty quickly. But to quote Charlie from his police interview, the moment I fell in love, my dick stopped working. Not quite Shakespeare, but it was obvious that he just wanted to please her. He felt like he wasn't satisfying her, and this wasn't the only problem in their relationship. They were both struggling to make ends meet. They were low on cash, and once... They even found themselves eating out of a dumpster. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Tonya was a beautiful and glamorous woman. She'd had a rough childhood. And whilst an explanation for her love of fire has never been given, it was said that she was a complex woman and there were many other factors from her past that might have contributed to what she had done. Charlie had used drugs in the past and had periods of his life where he was down on his luck. But people knew him, generally, as a nice man. One night, they'd gone out for a drive and Tonya had turned to Charlie and told him, out of the blue, that she wanted him to set an abandoned house on fire. He thought she was joking, and playing along, he got out of the car and went over to the house. He pretended to set it alight, and then they drove away. He described her as looking lighter, like he'd made her happy. But she wanted him to drive back shortly afterwards, so they could see the flames. But of course, when they did drive back, there weren't any. He admitted that he hadn't actually set it alight. And that feeling of disappointment that he had associated with being unable to perform in bed suddenly was back. She was disappointed. So he went over to the house and set it on fire. And that was the start of their twisted arson spree. Both Tonya and Charlie were held in Accomack County Jail 
It's a small jail with a population of around 95 and the crimes committed by people housed there range from shoplifting to murder. And like most jails, the men and women are separated from each other. Charlie pled guilty to all charges and he was sentenced to 15 years in prison. But then Charlie found out that Tonya was communicating with another man and realised that their two-year relationship was over. It was then that he decided to testify against Tonya, having initially been reluctant to do so because he knew that she had two children on the outside world to take care of. Tonya's defence argued that Charlie was implicating her because he was jealous and didn't want her to be free to date other men. A date was set for Tonya's trial and her attorney submitted some requests to the judge. The first was to move the trial from Accomack County to another location. They felt that the fires had affected so many people that they couldn't receive a fair trial. The judge granted that and it was moved to Virginia Beach. The second was to have a separate trial for each arson. There would be at least 62 different trials, although the number of fires thought to have been set by the pair was in the 80s. Tonya's attorney, Alan Zaleski, was asked about the reasons for this request, and this is what he said. 62, one at a time, we have a shot. It's just a, a Smith against her word. And you saw Mr. Smith and, and when he testified last time. And they had some other evidence. They had phone calls and other things. These 62 cases only involve his word against her word. He said, she said. Preparations for the trials were underway and Tonya was denied bond. The judge said it was too much of a risk to give her bond. Another detail that emerged was that whilst Tonya and Charlie were driving around night after night starting these fires, they had left Tonya's two sons, who were only 11 and 13, on their own. On her way out of her bond hearing, Wavy TV's Andy Fox approached her while she was being led out by officers, and he asked her about why she left her sons. And Tonya snapped. What about the 15 fires, Tonya? Say something about what he's saying about that, that you set them. What about the fact that you were denied bond because you left your children at home, unattended? F*** you, Andy Fox. Just f*** you. Tonya's trial started on the 13th of January, 2014, and she faced two charges for the arson committed on the 1st of April, 2013, which was also the night that she got arrested. After an extensive jury selection process, the trial started, but Tonya then entered an Alford plea for both charges. An Alford plea means that the defendant is not confessing their guilt, but accepts that the prosecution have enough substantial evidence to say that they could have done. On her second trial, Tonya entered a plea of not guilty. Charlie testified against her and told the court that he was still in love with her. Tonya's defence called a character witness, Reverend Frank Dickerson. Who better than to vouch for you than a reverend? He was 52 years old, and when the reverend was cross-examined, he admitted that he was Tonya's new boyfriend.
Tonya was found guilty of arson and conspiracy to commit arson. First, today's sentencing for one of the Eastern Shore arsonists, Tanya Bundick, will be going to prison for 10 and a half years. Bundick also received a $10,000 fine. After the result of that trial, Tanya submitted an Alford plea for the remaining 61 charges against her. The judge gave her an additional seven years, bringing her total prison sentence to 17 and a half years. If you'd like to read more on this case, Monica Hesse has a great book out called American Fire. Love, Arson and Life in a Vanishing Land. She says, quote, The fires were not lit for sex, but for love. Both Tonya and Charlie are still in jail. Charlie says he's no longer in love with Tonya. Well, I told you that was going to be a wild one. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. It's quite nice to have an episode where no one was physically hurt. If you haven't already subscribed and are enjoying these episodes, please do. It would be great to have you. And if you want to support the show, I'd be so grateful there's a link in the show notes with more information. I also just want to shout out to everyone that I met at the London CrimeCon event this weekend. It was so much fun. I met so many really interesting people that are trying to do so much to help victims and families along the way. I attended the event with Sue Homan, who was the ex-wife of Stuart Lubbock. Stuart Lubbock was murdered and found in the swimming pool of UK TV presenter Michael Barrymore's home in 2001, when he was just 31 years old. We're still campaigning for justice. We still need to know why this happened to him, and we need somebody, or some people, to be held accountable for his murder. If you're not familiar with Stuart's story, I did a six-part series under this podcast thread. If you go to series one, you can listen to His Name Was Stuart Lubbock. It's an awful and tragic story. It's almost like something out of a Hollywood film, but unfortunately, it is real. Thank you so much to Cherry and Morgan from the Crimepedia podcast, who invited Sue and myself to come down to CrimeCon for the day. It was great to meet you, you're lovely, lovely people. So, until next time, I'm Naomi Channel, and this has been Real.